Welcome to episode 11 of the Travelling Wellness Show. On today's episode, I'm in Esperance, Western Australia, and joined by my wife, Michelle, to record a piece specifically around the journey thus far for recording this very show. Packing up one's life and heading into the abyss with three children seems like a dream to so many, and then a nightmare to so many others. Today, we delve deep into each of our individual reasons for this journey, the daily reality of a life on the road, and the various shenanigans which have made this a permeable memory in each of our lives. The truth, though, is that life on the road seems to exacerbate more of what is already there, as daily issues and annoyances are amplified when living with those you love inside a 21-foot box 24-7. This episode is a tribute to our friends throughout the nation who have followed our journey with as much passion and eager intent as we have, and kept us financial via the support of our company, PSC Supplements. The encouragement and support of so many has made our life on the road a seamless transition, and one that our family will remember for our entire lives. So thank you so much. To follow our day-to-day events, please connect with both Michelle and myself via Instagram and Facebook. Michelle can be found under Michelle Brenton, naturopath, and myself simply as Shannon Brenton. Thanks for your questions for this show, guys. It was so fun to reflect. Please enjoy. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to uh, this special episode of Travelling Wellness Show. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSC Supplements. Today we've got a most unusual topic, um, nothing to do with health really at all. Uh, certainly got a bit to do with my wellness, but uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, a, d- a different part of the topic. And it's funny though, guys, um, Michelle and I started on this venture going back um, just over 12 months now. Um, obviously the reason for this episode is the fact that it is now 12 months that we've been on the road recording this podcast series for you guys and also extending ourselves um, individually and as a family as we chose to travel around Australia and have uh, an awesome time with this cool adventure. But it's funny that uh, every day I feel thousands, probably not thousands, let's yeah, <laughs> 10, <laughs> maybe 10, 15 uh, emails from people asking questions, you know, about things generally to do with their body and, you know, um, certain health complaints and conditions and ailments and, and uh, treatment protocols that I may have prescribed to that point. It's funny though that the topic of interest that I get from most people, even with every patient that I do daily consults with is tell me about this trip. You know, what's this trip? I can't believe you're doing it. Um, I keep seeing you doing consultations in cafes. Um, how do you do it? How do you handle being around the kids all the time? Uh, how's Michelle finding it, et cetera, et cetera. So today's, um, today's topic is tour months on the road. And it's a reflection of um, our life on the road, uh, the recording of this podcast series, and I guess our perspectives and our takeaways with what we've learnt um, on this journey thus far um, and answering a whole bunch of people's questions that I've taken straight from social media around the uh, the journey itself. But um, I'd like to welcome my, uh, my my beautiful sweetheart, my life partner, 
my, uh, my, Lucky you said that. My partner in crime here on this uh, journey, and that's uh, Michelle Brenton, my wife. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So um, super cool to have you here, babe. Not normal. We're sitting back here, guys. I won't lie. There's a couple of fat yaks on the table. Um, that's beer <laughs> for anyone that's not in Australia. Um, and it's Tuesday here uh, where we are. And uh, that's not an uncommon thing with the caravan lifestyle. Mind you, we have pulled it back. Michelle's on the, what are you having there, babe? Well, um, uh, Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark. So it's a very impromptu episode. And uh, we're just going to sit here and chew the fat for a while. We have a couple of drinks and and uh, explore the topic of life travel and the perspectives we've gained. So uh, I guess to, uh, to begin with, um, it's probably worth starting with why this trip's here, like how this trip began, why we're living on the road, why we sit here in this 21-foot box caravan right now. And um, that's quite a complicated one. And it's, it's a question that many people um, threw in when I said we were going to record this podcast and what questions would you like answered and that big one is you know like why did you do the trip and I must say it's it's very multifactorial so I'll answer it in my part um, I'll let Michelle answer it in hers because we both have our individual reasons and the um, you know certain life aspects that individually led us to the point where we sort of decided to think fuck it let's do this trip so I guess from my perspective um you know, I sat in uh, in clinic like any other clinician does, uh, doing the do for lots and lots of years. And uh, as I tell the story to lots of people, um, I love what I do. I still love what I do. I'll, I'll never stop doing what I do because I enjoy it and I'm good at it. And, um, you know, that's a pretty good combination and a good reason to keep doing what you do. But it's funny that um, despite my love of my work and despite the fact that life was great and, and really uh, we left behind the great Australian dream of uh, high income and you know great lifestyle and, and a cruisy existence, um, as I tell a lot of people, my, my, my inspiration went out, um, which it's a bit hard to discuss because it wasn't like I didn't enjoy doing the job anymore. Um, I love the job. I love every single person I've ever worked with and still continue to work with. But I guess, you know, I, I, I just found myself doing the do more often than I wanted. I found myself just turning up to work, doing the do, enjoying the day. But, you know, my, my why had somewhat dissipated. Uh, and I say that with uh, a lot of respect and love for the people I work with. I don't want anyone to think that my time with them was less valuable or I was less invested in their outcome because that certainly wasn't the uh, certainly wasn't the the entire purpose behind it. But for me, it was just the fact that life was really um, quite simple. Um, all this even sounds absurd coming out of my head because who doesn't want a nice, happy, simple life with good income? Uh, but anyway, inspirationally, I just knew there was more for me. Um, I knew that uh, part of me playing a bigger game was getting out on the road, uh, extending myself past my personal comfort zones. And, uh, and that's really where uh, my reason for the journey came to be. However, um, to take a step back, probably 12 months or not quite, maybe seven or eight months before the journey, um, Michelle had, was just coming off the tail end of being really sick, which I'll let her discuss in just a moment. And uh, this sickness had really haunted us for a good 12 months. And there were periods of time during this illness where we weren't quite sure how things would work out, which, as anyone can understand, was quite frantic. But... I still remember the day we're up on the Gold Coast in um, Coolangatta, staying at one of our favourite places, which is called Reflections, which is right on the beach there, at um, sort of right between Coolangatta and Greenmount. 
and we'd had this awesome day. We'd been down at Snapper Rocks, and it was one of those beautiful Gold Coast days. The water was warm. The tide was perfect. The kids were having a great time. We were pinching ourselves. Couldn't believe how good things were. Uh, yet in the months previous to that, Michelle had been hospitalised multiple times, and uh, yeah, there'd been some, some pretty um, nasty times there that I will let her extend on that... Um, probably the reason why we were pinching ourselves was the fact things had been so bad in the months previous but anyway we're up on the um on the deck of our beautiful um um our three bedroom penthouse we we're in having a really nice time having a couple of beers out on the deck and we just start having this argument about you know sort of n- nothing in particular but I still remember you telling me babe you mm. said the words you said to me, I, I don't want to be born and die on the Central Coast. <laughs> which, which is <laughs> No disrespect to anyone living on the Central Coast because no, it's a great not. place to live. Yeah, everyone knows that. That's good. But right? yeah, you don't have to was... apologise <laughs> straight off the, off the mark. But, but I still remember those words strongly. That's what yeah. you said to me. You said, I don't want yeah. to be born and be dead on the Central Coast. And I knew there was more. Yeah, and you did know there was more. And you've always been the one in our relationship who I guess has been a bit more connected that way than me. You've always been our our leader yeah. in the dream yeah. um, sort of um, field, so to speak. But uh, I was very comfortable, and I guess that's why you told me um, that story and made that statement. But um, I've always been someone I seek comfort, I enjoy comfort. Mm. Uh, life was very, very good back on the Central Coast. We've got an amazing uh, group of friends back there. Uh, both our families yeah. are there. We had great business there for so many years. We had a beautiful home and everything. And mm. you know, there was really, for me, no reason to leave. But... I remember you were itchy. Um, you were of the opinion that there was more. You know, you'll be able to lead on from that in a moment. And um, you brought up the whole conversation around, hey, maybe we could get a caravan and travel, to which I think I remember I rolled my eyes. And We'd said, spoken about it before, though, years before kids too. So yeah, it was yeah. something that was... Yeah, well, I always wanted to travel the country. I knew that, and yeah. it was something that was important to you. But, you know, when you get yourself uh, bound up in business and yeah. mortgages and stuff, it's one of those things that was once a pipe dream that you don't really think of again. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Michelle starts talking about caravans, and, um, you know, long and the short is within a couple of weeks, I think we'd invested <laughs> nearly a quarter of a million dollars in <laughs> caravans and cars. However, before that, what about what you said? What was your reaction to all that initially? It was. Um, basically, stop dreaming, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, like probably, yeah. Pipe dreamer, pipe dreamer. I think that was yeah, it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, and I'll, um, I'll cop that on the chin. Yeah, I will cop that on the chin. It's funny because when, uh, I, don't, I don't know how it is for a lot of the other guys listening, but when, when, and not just guys, but girls too, but when one partner comes to you and I guess wants to, Rock the boat. Yeah, it will change everything yeah. 100%. You know, like, I guess my instant reaction was fear, mm. you know. Uh, it was like, well, how would that work? And, you know, um, at this point, I obviously was our sole income earner. Mm. Uh, I don't think you'd gone back to work after our third. I had, but I kept going sort of on and off Yeah, yeah with so, sickness. Yeah. So I was the prime income earner and Michelle had been crook that year, which had put, thrown a real spanner in the works. Mm. And mm-hmm. the whole idea of, uh, of challenging us anymore was more than I could bear the thought of. Well, you thought, what is the point? We're happy. Why do it? Yeah, exactly mm. right. So, but yeah, fear really did come up for me and resonated strongly with me. And, um, you know, as, as I normally do, and as a lot, of, a lot of guys do, you go away, you know, you calm yourself down, you start to look at, um, at possibilities. The, yeah, you look at the equations involved. And, and I think, you know, um, in that two weeks before we'd made the purchases, I think the initial conversation I had with you was 
I was off to Toyota to talk about what a uh, possible trade-in might look like yeah. from our new Prado that, that, that we ended up losing a lot of money on to uh, a Land Cruiser that we'd need to tow the van and that looked like an easy trade and um, then obviously with, you know, the van came up and we, we did mm. a good deal. and Yeah, it all fell into place quite yeah, easily. Absolutely. But I must say to, to our audience, uh, it was actually a lot of you that really, um, you know, Michelle was a believer from the beginning, but for me, I, I think I needed a bit more convincing and <laughs> I started talking to a lot of my, uh, my, my patient base about the fact that we may do this trip and uh, it wasn't. Uh, something that we had um, paid money on at this point. It was something that we discussed and we talked to a few of the caravan companies. And um, every single time I spoke to someone about doing this trip, they were always like, oh, wow, like that's that's our dream. You know, hubby and I talk about it all the time or the wife and I talk about it all the time. And it just seemed to be this sort of continuity that mm. everyone wanted to do this thing, yep. you know. And for me, it was like, well, fuck, if it's everyone's dream and <laughs> we can make it happen one way or another, well, let's, let's do it. And, um, so it gave you reassurance. That did, it was it did reassure idea. me yeah. and I guess it inspired me too, knowing that, you know, why do we have to sit back and dream consistently? Why can't we make these dreams a reality? The cool thing about uh, our business structure was we'd been in business for a long time and uh, having the supplement company there was a in, an income stream that we didn't rely on outside of our clinical work. It was money that I always just reinvested back into more product and, and um, new products. And uh, I knew that that income was there to be relied upon for a little while if necessary. Uh, I did know that I could work on the road. Uh, well, it was a wing and a prayer, but I knew I could uh, certainly consult on the road mm. and, and maintain a certain um, amount of people that I'd work with to that point who were happy to do one-on-ones. Um, in saying that, you know, I still lost a massive aspect uh, and portion of my patient base because they wanted to see someone face-to-face and so um, they've moved on to yeah. um, to colleagues of ours, which was great and that worked well. But um, yeah, that were all those initial fears that came up and uh, it was a very um, difficult thing to discuss, but... I think that uh, when you combine that with that, you know, inspiration that was uh, wavering, um, it really got to the point where we just thought, you know what, we can do this, um, we'd love to do this, let's just see what happens. But I must say from a business perspective, when you make a decision to automate uh, and to um, systematically process your business in a way that can work without you being there, when the bulk of your income has actually been a clinical career for a long time where you sit in front of people one-on-one day after day, um, we did effectively just close that door, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of faith involved in the Absolutely. process yeah, uh, of just knowing, you know what? Um, it feels right. It's going to work out. It's what we want to do. Yeah, exactly and, right. Yeah. You know, and we've been looked after to this point and, you know, let's just do it and see what happens. If we've got to pick fruit, we pick fruit. Well, we, yeah. so we certainly left with that mindset that if, she, you know, if shit gets hard, mm. um, you know, we can always, well, you know. can always pack up and go back yep, too. Exactly you're, right. You're not stuck. Yeah, exactly right. So I guess I guess that covers off um, why we decided to do the trip. But I might get you, Michelle, just to um, give everyone a bit of a, a sort of a reiteration of your 12 months leading mm-hmm. up to that point. So yeah. um, matter of fact... Why don't you go back before kids? Because I think it all makes sense, and I think people are probably going to be after a, uh, a an idea as to how this all happened. And, and what I mean by that is, life before kids, you're working full time, um, everything's yeah. easy. You come home, your time's your own. Um, you know, you can go and do things. I can go and do things. It's it's all good. You have three kids in three and a half years, and all of a sudden the level mm. of responsibility increases. Yeah. Um, you and I juggled. Um, 
parenthood as best we could to get you consistently back into the workplace. While I after, was working, you were home with the kids yeah, and after each of the girls, yeah. and then when Billy came along, it was yeah. just all too hard, and so we didn't bother anymore. But um, why I say pre kids is that um, your life changed from a responsibility and a role perspective, and three kids had you up against the wall. Let's be honest. Absolutely, that was just that too. You think okay. This is okay, I can still work, I can still train, I can still sort of have the life I've always had and juggle it. Once you throw that third one into the mix, yeah, you think, okay, I'm a little out of my depth now. And that's when um, the walls started cracking and I just started getting consistently run down and trying to still work, trying to train a lot, trying to be the best mum, trying to be the best wife. Everything was push, push, push. And my body just said, that's enough. I've had it. And I collapsed and I was constantly in bed, bedridden at times for days and days on end. And Which was very unlike you, right? Absolutely. You've always had like the best immune system I've known yeah. of anyone. If I get sick, it's a couple of days and I'm good as new. And in my whole life, I'd hardly ever been sick. Never went to doctors or anything like that, even as a kid. And yeah, super, super strong immune system. So... If anything, I was always able to push through everything and anything when I was unwell, even if I had a bit of a sniffle or whatever. You just keep going. And that was always my mental attitude as well. Mm. But this time around, mentally, physically, I was completely beaten and, yeah, forced to look at my whole life and my reevaluate how I live my life, how I think and feel about my life and every single thing and person in it. So you had three or four months of consistent... Um compromised immunity I remember yes. I was the one looking after the kids yes. while you were in bed nearly dead yes. um, a couple of times I rang your mum who's of course a nurse um, and in the end um, I made the decision to take you to hospital because you were just yeah, past we, your point yes. and then um, couldn't control fevers and yep, all that sort of stuff got you into hospital and after yep. mucking around for probably a good week uh, and talking to our local Dr Bruce to run some viral serology well I started actually got that remember I got that gut feel as well that I when you're in the thick of it yourself, you just obviously can't see what's going on. Um, it's different when you're treating somebody else, and I've treated many people with glandular fever. But when it's you, you are completely just blocked from seeing anything. But something just said to me, I think you've got glandular fever. I just thought, I think I've got it. And yep. I said to Shannon, I've got to go and get a blood test for glandular fever. Um, I think that's what's going on. And he said, oh, absolutely not because you've been doing this. You've been able to come good after a couple of days in bed and you keep going even though you get down, you come back up again, it wouldn't be that. And yes, it was came. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd had it for like four or five months before I was diagnosed. Yep. And then that continued on and for still, another four And still or five. pushed through with three kids and still tried to Trained work. and, and worked. And, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, you know, basically guys, um, this went on for... I'd say four or five months. Beyond um, diagnosis, yeah. And what happened then was um, I took over the, the treatment protocol um, for Michelle with what I'd use classically for, um, you know, post-viral syndrome. Yeah. And she just didn't pick up. And it was it was alarming because um, Always pick everyone up. picks up yeah. <laughs> from that treatment protocol. And particularly know? me with anything old, a couple of days, good as new. Yeah, exactly. So... After the uh, the second or third hospitalisation where she needed fluids and just wasn't improving, um, doctors ran uh, more and more bloods and uh, we got the call one day that she had a thing called Marcoplasma pneumonia. 
which is a, a largely antibiotic-resistant form mm. of uh, bacterial pneumonia, which she had as an acute on chronic with the glandular fever. And uh, uh, I don't think I've ever seen anyone oh, that sick before. And uh, there was periods of time where, and I could just tell from from my mum's face sometimes, it was like, you know, is she going to get better? You know, well, like it just was, seemed like there was no end to the bed rest and grey-coloured skin and just mm. not vitalised, no mm. sense of life really yep. except to, what, get a sip of water occasionally or something like that, just otherwise immobilised. Mm. So, you know what, we'd love to tell you that we decided to take the trip because, you know, we're <laughs> we're better than you and, uh, you know, we're super evolved and all. But, yeah, so we'd had like, 12 months of this going on. Uh, it was very, very difficult for us all, Michelle, of course, being bedridden, uh, me having to adjust my entire work roster to be able to drop two kids to daycare, one kid to school, uh, before I could consult, consult for a bit, then have to finish early so I could pick Eva up mm-hmm. from school, That's get it. her home, start dinner, pick the other kids up. And, you know, sometimes I'd find myself in the kitchen at 10 at night with, you know, in tears, um, just overwhelmed, uh, hadn't eaten dinner myself, um, couldn't be fucked even cooking it. I'd go to bed without food. And, uh, yeah, so this went on for a long time. And, and I think that, yeah, uh, this when you have your when you have your pants pulled down near your ankles like this for so long. Um, what a way to put it. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well that's that's how I do it. Um, something forces surrender, doesn't it? Do you know? Oh, and uh, and that was the whole the point. Yep. So as a couple and as a family, we needed to accept that things weren't working. Um, we needed to accept, and certainly I needed to accept that there needed to be a, a role change. That mm. um, even though. Um, I thought we'd done things really well. Matter of fact, we had done things really well. We had changed a lot, but I think it was still about slowing down, being in the moment and not trying to do everything and be everything at all times and just being a bit more of flow. Mm. I think that was a big one. Just on that, how many mothers do you find have that challenge? Everyone. Yeah. Trying to be everything to everyone. That's a whole other... Have a difficult difficult time being in flow, having a hard time. You said before, trying to be the wife, trying to be the mum, trying to be the worker, hold on to the career you had because you don't want to self-sacrifice. Yeah, it's a daily challenge, I think, for every mum out there. Mm. So, yeah, so here's Michelle. um, You know, that you would have been, what, 36 then? Yeah, 38 now. I'm 38 now. So so 36 then. uh, That year was pretty much written off. And uh, in the end, after masses, and, and I do mean masses, of double and triple antibiotic therapy. Which um, I've never had. Oh, look, never. I think I've had antibiotics once in my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Prior so to that. They finally, they started on IV and then um, tablets for ages and, and finally knocked the uh, marcoplasma pneumonia. And um, after that, everything started to pick up. But, you know, it came with a life lesson. It came with a, uh, a sort of a heavy burden that we realised that, you know, things weren't working. And, um, you know, in any state of success, one needs to adapt to such mm. things. And this trip in many ways was an adaptation um, on our part. So mm. I guess that's the why covered. Um, you got anything mm. to say? I was just going to add to, yeah, the, like you're saying, the why. But just to be able to live now, not as in I'm dying and I need to get out there and live everything, but as in that you've got each moment in the moment, You, it's about being living the best you can each day and appreciating what you can you have your shit moments and whatever but yeah yeah just being able to um get out there with the kids while they're young and while they actually want to hang around with us and really suck the marrow out of their childhood as well while we can 
Most definitely, you know, and the only three people that I guess suffered more than us through this process were the kids, right? You know, That's like it. what's wrong with Bummy? Why is Bummy yeah, exactly. not well? Didn't understand. Um, Too yeah, young to understand. Very, yeah. very tough times. But, you know, essentially uh, they were the reasons why we decided to move. Um, um, people have asked a lot of questions around what our expectations were. And, you know, to be honest, I don't even really quite know how to term it, but our expectations mm. were, were just to... Uh, just to renew ourselves, to refresh, yeah. to revitalise. To connect and have fun. And exactly right. Yeah, that's um, about it. I honestly did not know where the money was going to come from. Uh, that was a major concern of mine, and I'll get to that in yeah. a moment. But And I actually had no fear about how it would turn out. I get Like when you say expectations, that's expecting an end result, expecting an outcome. I only expected to experience and have an adventure, and whenever that ended, it ended. Like it yep. hasn't ended, it's 12 months in. We don't want it to end anytime soon. But if it was three or four months in and we weren't happy, we didn't want to do it anymore. Yep. I had no problems with turning around and going back to the Central Coast. No one going, had a gun to our head. Yeah, it's all good. doesn't yep. matter. There was no risk. There was no problem. Yep. Yeah, so for those first few months after we left, uh, there was no podcasting. Matter of fact, there was nothing other than, you know, beach Drink, and swimming drinking. and... <laughs> Oh, drinking. I guess we, we better cover that. <laughs> We're not um, usually big drinkers. I'm certainly not a big drinker. However, yeah. you get into the caravan lifestyle of happy hour. and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, from uh, the Central Coast, we headed north. Our first stop was a, a full one and a half hours from home. Uh, it, it, it took us five months to hit the Queensland border, which is only a <laughs> nine hour drive. But um, yeah, first stop, Middle Rock. Had a great time there. And um a, a, lot, a lot of stuff to get used to, you know. I was, uh, mm. I'd never even towed a box trailer before. Here I am with 15 and a half metres of rig that I'm driving around. Uh, so, you know, I had a lot of um, <laughs> masculinity to uh, to have to build during this process. Um, I'm a bit useless physically. so um, You it's picked it up well, though, towing and reverse parking, like reversing the carrier. Yeah, yeah. fortunately, I'm confident and I did pick it up well. But, you know, that the first couple of months, seriously, guys, it was like, can life, can this honestly be life? Seriously, how often do we do we pinch ourselves? We, well, we every didn't, day. We didn't watch television for three months. No, it was four actually. Four was months four. was it? Okay, yeah. we didn't watch television for four months. We played a lot and of you know. Heaps yeah. of you know. We'd be just outside under the awning, um, out in the um, you know, out in the annex area, yeah. not the annex up. Just looking at the stars. You know, I saw things again, like you know, like giant lizards and kangaroos yeah. hopping around and Nature. koalas yeah. and. Just the, the look on the kid's face, you know, when they're seeing like, you know, six foot goannas mm, and catch, catching their first fish and, and just this sort of stuff. It just brought such, you know, a, a radiance to our life that um, sort of everything else just dissipated, you know. But for those first few months, yes, we were extremely social. Um, the problem with caravan parks is that everyone likes to get on the piss by, by at least lunchtime. Uh, and you know we, we might hold back to three o'clock, but I'm pretty sure I, I strewed about sixty three days straight together yeah, on the you, grog. You did very well. I was pretty pleased with that. Luckily, I not wasn't very naturopath of me. That. <laughs> I was, but I was yeah, up there. Bullshit. You, I was up yeah. there. You, you were fifty there. plus. 50, uh, it was fifty. Thank you. Yeah, okay. 50, I call right? it fifty plus. You no. call it fifty. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so look, we, we had a good time. But We you know, know who talks things up, don't we? Yeah, 
Well, alcohol is one of those things that's bonding, isn't it? You know. So, um, but now look, we had a really, really cool time. Those first few months were just about trying to get that little bit of, you know, individual fulfilment, um, family yeah. f- oh, fulfilment. It was, a, it was essential in the beginning. When you go on a trip, it it is a trip in the beginning. So you're like, woohoo, we're on holidays. We're going to drink and we're going to just chill out. We're going to loosen the reins on training and everything. But then reality kicks in yeah. where you're like, you know what? This is awesome and amazing and so like such an experience. I'm so grateful. But life goes on. You do have to cook. You do have to, yep. you know, do all the usual stuff that you do at home. Well, Everything you do at home you have to it's do. It's life on the road. It's life on the road. That's what I say to it? people whenever I meet people. It's no trip. I'm saying it's life on the road. And it's amazing. But it's still what you were doing at home, like cooking and cleaning. All that. We've got our kids 24-7. So... You know, it's no rest from that, all yep. of that. So there are other sides. Yeah. yeah, there's roles, there's obligations. I've still got work to do. You know, the podcast takes up some time. Um, I still, I still consult um, three to four days a week. That I'm takes up time. Michelle's well. consulting a bit. You know, so you know, there's there, there is all that. And in the beginning, there wasn't as much as that. I think a lot of people thought that I was off on a holiday, and yeah. so I didn't get as much work um, yeah. at first, which um, which was probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah. But you know, our expectation in those early days was just to bond. You know, I just wanted to spend mm. time. My wife again. Uh, we've been together for almost twenty years now. Uh, we're really great mates. You know, we've got so much love and and, um, and friendship yeah, as well. Friendship for each other. Yep. You know, so it was cool just being able to just hold hands on the beach again. Just you know, um, yeah, sit out in the recliner under the awning and just you know let the kids play on the grass and just the simplicity and to be able to observe simplicity in motion like mm, that. You know, kids amazing. playing and kids crabbing and oh, you know exactly and, and, and just get rid of the toys and the all this and that that you have that complicate life and just yep. make it super simple. And that's been cool too because when you're living in a caravan, weight becomes an issue. So <laughs> for people that don't understand... You're, always, you're, on a, you're always on about the weight. Of course I am. We can't get that because it's going to be too heavy yep. in the caravan. So when you're towing, you've got a thing called GVM, guys, a gross vehicle mass. And uh, <laughs> basically when you're towing a, a vehicle um, or towing a caravan, I should say, um, each t- bit of extra load you put in the caravan uh, affects your tow weight and cops these days pull you over and um, will heavily penalise yeah. you if you're overweight so you know our kids have literally got you know one small toy sack each yeah. but I will say seriously no bullshit that of these toy sacks I don't even know if Billy's been through his oh, life he goes through it every now and then but it's rare we could count on yeah like two hands how many times they've pulled it out in the entire year yep but um, yeah, it does make me laugh when you say, um, "Oh, Billy can't get that mat- that matchbox toy um, car." Sorry, because um, we've got to think about the weight of the oh, car. Hang on. hang on, I've got something important happening. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Fresh beer, guys. Sorry. <laughs> so um, yeah, so you know, expectations have been met one hundred percent. They have changed along the way. Um, when you go from uh, trip to life on the road. But let me tell you right now, life on the road is unbelievable. Uh, we literally go where we want, when we want, for as long as we want. Um, and it's really cool, you know, the, the kids just know now that the caravan is home. And mm. it doesn't matter where you are, you know. We've got our home. Like, it's, it's exactly. always with us. So it's always comfortable, no matter what area we're in. Even yep. if we pull up somewhere, hey, and we don't That's really like it, yep. we think this is a dump. We think, well, we've still got our awesome caravan and we're in here comfortable as anything. Yep. It's all good. Yeah, it's super nice. Um, the reality of life on the road, uh, a lot of people have asked me about. You know, So the expectation, like I said, we didn't have any. We just wanted to connect. We wanted to love. We wanted to you know, um, you know, re-nourish ourselves you know, for, for want of a better way to describe it. The reality was all that 
and more. Um, no two way about that. It's it's provided everything we wanted it to do in the early days. Mm. Um, the reality now is that yeah, you know, it is life, and we have to school children, and we are with kids twenty four seven. There is no school. There is no daycare. And I know every single mother and father out there listening will be like, "Fuck, <laughs> you're joking." Me. Well, they rely on school, like when school holidays is on, they cannot wait for their kid to go back to school. Yep. And I get that because I've been there where I'm thinking, oh, how many days to go? Yep. But, um, yeah, the reality is now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week with three children at once. Yep. And that really in the past would have been my absolute misery because I used to think, thank God, there's daycare today, tomorrow, whatever, I can yep. rest. But it's what we've all needed, I think. Definitely. And people ask me regularly, like, how do you, how do you have the kids? You know, like, how do you go with the kids? And I can tell you right now, it's attitudinal. Um, and the attitude is this. For me, my attitude is I chose this. It's as simple as that. This is a trip that I chose to do. Um, I know we won't get this time back. You know, kids grow up very, very quickly, as everyone knows. And before we know it, we're, you know, back in one spot and mm. kids are at school and mm, you know, exactly. they've got it's friends. It's all just a distant memory then. Exactly right. So a lot of it's about trying to be in the moment, trying to experience it fully. And, um, you know, the attitude is I chose this. And that's seriously every every time I get myself mm. a bit uptight, that's what I tell them. And I know I tell you as well mm, and we tell each other. And it's like we chose this, you know, when we, we can at any point go back and go, you know, yeah. go back to the central coast oh, and course. pull up stumps. Or, or, or anywhere else, wherever yep. we want and just set up camp and get a house and whatever. We yep. can return to that normality yep. anytime we want. So yep. we're never stuck, but we wouldn't trade it no, for anything d- at this point. Definitely not. And one of the big takeaways, this is this has been my major takeaway. Um, I know Michelle will agree, however, she might have some of her own, but... One of my major takeaways has just been through my observation of the kids. And I first got this when we were up in central Queensland in, mm. a, in a shithole of a Hewenden. place called Hewenden. <laughs> Fuck me. Seriously. If, Don't if, go there. If Unless you, you want to really, really see the dinosaur trail. Um, even look, that's boring. I mean, oh, look, no, it's interesting. No, it it's is. it's boring. No, it's interesting. Look, Shannon doesn't really like history <laughs> that much. It is interesting. However, taking young children to that, they don't care. After a couple of minutes, they couldn't care less. Yeah, so, that is the reality. Yeah. We're going through um, you know, Captain Cook Museum up in Cooktown and unfortunately get in there in the place, everything that's in there, you've got to read it. And, <laughs> and you've got to be quiet yeah. and things are breakable. Yeah. And what do our kids want to do? Like make noise, stomp through there, scream yeah. and grab everything and... Yeah. So essentially, we go places where there's parks. <laughs> <laughs> we know every park in the whole of Australia. And beaches, so far. and but but that's really been the the big, I guess, um, shock of reality has just been the simple observation of the kids, how well they cope with nothing. Mm-hmm. So here we are at in Hewenden. Hewenden was a mm. hot hell of a place. Shit all. It, it was it was plus forty degrees when we were there. Uh, it was you know dirt. There was stones. Seriously, I, I shit you not. I had stones hurting my feet through my mm. thongs. Right? I don't know, they've got a special kind of stone up in this place. <laughs> but the, the, the town itself was derelict. Half of it was boarded up. Well, there. it just looked like it was non-existent, as in no one lived there. Uh, ghost town. Miserable place. Anyway, kids couldn't believe their luck when they found two <laughs> things. One thing behind the caravan was there was a, a bush. And I do mean a bush. It wasn't a pretty one. It was just a bush. But it was full 
of, of um, rainbow lorikeets. No, I think, no, wasn't no, it? no, lady beetles. Oh, lady beetles, but there was birds as well. Full of lady beetles, and they yeah, were just beside right. themselves with who could collect the most lady beetles. That's and right. The yeah. different colours of the lady beetles, and and you know whereabouts on their body they'd climb, and they started making mm. little houses for them out of you know mm. like um, oh. Aldi boxes. No, and hang things, on, you know? and it was the um, you know the blueberry containers, you yeah, know, yeah, your yeah. little blueberry packet containers. Our kids actually call those bug catchers. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you've got a kid that lives on the road. Mm. So they go, oh, wow, I've got a bug catcher. And it's your blueberry container. Yep. yep. So they're yeah, getting these little um, little lady beetles. And, uh, yeah, seriously, they were, they were just so happy. And um, other than that, there was a, a slab there. And I do mean like a 90-year-old piece of concrete slab where when uh, there wasn't water restrictions, you know, so 95 years ago... <laughs> You could uh, take your car over there and give it a wash. There was weeds everywhere through it as well, like that concrete slab. Yeah. Like it was just, yeah. yeah. There's tumbleweed running down the road yeah. with, you know, uh, you know, 60 knot hot winds. Oh, and it was hot as hell. Seriously, I'm back mm. there in my mind now. I yeah, just want to leave already. Yeah. But um, yeah, the kids thought it was amazing because oh, they could amazing. play handball on this little... Because I started playing handball because I'm thinking, what can I do with them here? There's no park. There's no, like nothing How for do we kids. Kill and they're time. charging like ridiculous amounts per kid per night. Like, what can I do with them? So I'm like, right, grab Billy's tennis ball. All right, let's play handball. And then um, they, they thought, thought it was awesome, didn't they? <laughs> and Lara says to us, how long, how many nights are we staying here? Are we staying um, eight weeks? Yeah, can or we stay eight weeks? Like, um, yeah, no. Two nights. Yeah, maximum. <laughs> that was too long. Exactly right. So that, that's been a real, um, I guess, a takeaway as mm. far as reality goes. I didn't expect that. Um, I've always known, of course, that our kids are our best teachers. Mm. But just being able to observe the kids, you know, full time, um, wherever they are, wherever we interact, mm. whether we're at a skate park, whether mm-hmm. we're at the beach, whether we're, you know, somewhere amazing, uh, whether, you know, it could be like the best waterfall you've mm. ever seen or it can be the biggest dive. Mm. They make the most yeah, out of do. every bloody situation. Do you they know? make their own fun and they're happy wherever we are, really. If we're together particularly, they're yep. extremely happy. I know yep. that sounds corny, but... That's how it is, you know, how they, if Laura can see us particularly, she's yep. happy. Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. And I know for me, like, that just, it, it I don't know, it's, it almost, it surrenders my own self mm. in some way. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, we all have our own, um, you know, annoyances and irritabilities just around things, you mm. know, it could be, you know, your phone playing up that day or it could be, you know, you know, some, uh, you know, someone from Telstra has been ringing you nine times from a no caller <laughs> ID phone and you can't get back to them or whatever annoyance might be happening in your world today. And, and continually, I just see these kids and everything's just great. Thank you very much. You know, mm. all the time. And they've got each other and they've got us and that's all they want. And that's been exactly. a really, a really amazing takeaway. Uh, it has. And just to keep it simple, because when we do take them somewhere, like we went to Movie World, remember we did that, and um, Wet and Wild and all of that. We come away from those days and particularly one of them would complain about, yeah. oh, but that wasn't as good as I thought it would be or yep. that wasn't this or that wasn't that. So it's like the more you give them, the more it's not enough. Yeah. The less you give them, oh, it's amazing. They think it's amazing. Exactly so, right. Yeah, it's been yeah. amazing. Um, on the kids, um, just getting onto the uh, social media questions here, a lot of people have asked about schooling. Uh, as a matter of fact, mm. there's five or six comments in here about schooling and how do you do it and, and how schooling been. So. Oh gosh. I'm the PE, I'm the PE teacher. <laughs> he takes the easy the easy road. Hey, 
nothing easy about PE. Oh, really? So I'm, I'm the PE teacher. Um, I do do a bit of the schoolwork, but Michelle does. Lately, he does schoolwork all of last year. I did the whole year on my own with Eva. Yeah, well, you obviously want to give yourself a wrap here, so well, I'll, I need I'll, let, to. I'll let you go on. I need to, go. because we know who always takes so the wraps. So tell about schooling, how it's been. Hard. I would say last year, look, it got easier as the year went on, as I got into my own groove, as well as Eva learnt to just toe the line. But um, I'll just interject for a tick, mm-hmm. just so people understand. Um, on the road... Um, it's not homeschooling, so it's it's not legal to homeschool if you don't have a fixed address. So homeschooling, of course, parents are writing their own curriculum and doing things their own way. When you're on the road like we are, um, we use a, uh, a system called um, distance, distance education. education yeah. um, we have the Sydney distance education, which is obviously the area um, that we lived closest to originally. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Basically, um, um, each child has a teacher, and obviously each teacher has a child. Each teacher has, I think, 20 kids maximum oh, or thereabouts. Sometimes it's only five, but yeah, it depends. Yeah, well, this yep. year it's low. I think they, they cap it, though, at a pretty yep. good level. And basically, uh, we give the um, education um, people our postcode um, every kind of six weeks or eight weeks or whatever else it might be. Yeah. And uh, they just ship us a big it's A2 bag of, yeah, like, of all the stuff. Yep, a fortnight information at a time or sometimes half a term. But each folder you get got the fortnight's work in there and it's just about getting through it but you liaise with the teacher and there's also a live lesson once a week and a one-on-one session as well. Um, anyway, it's been good like in the way that I think they give a lot of great information and the curriculum is something that's very applicable and we found that that, that part of it's good because I don't have to sit there and work out lessons. But the part that I yeah that I get so frustrated with is just... Eva, she was just on her own, her own learning last year, so she was seeing her brother and sister having fun, and obviously she didn't want to commit and sit there and do it, so just getting over that challenge of getting her to concentrate and focus while you've got another two children running around having fun. And then now this year we've got two, so Lara and Eva schooling, so I'm finding I'm teaching two at two different levels of learning. Obviously, I'm not a teacher, no teaching background, so that is challenging. At the one-metre one, one table. At the one-metre table inside the caravan with a three-year-old who goes around on a bike without training wheels, doing all crazy things and skinning his knees constantly and coming in telling me all sorts of things. So, yeah, getting interrupted constantly. Yeah, it's hard to keep them focused, but also they know there's other things they could be doing and they want to do those things because they know that they're there. And they know mum being the teacher, that's not so cool either. So, yeah, it's not exactly the easiest thing doing home or distance education. But we figure it's a small price to pay for the life that we're having at the moment. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So we're going to keep going with the schooling that way. And we do threaten either quite regularly at the moment, though, don't we? Saying yep. we're going to just pull up stumps somewhere and stick you into a real school for a while. Yeah, and um, she does change her attitude a bit when we start saying that. Yeah, <laughs> well, look, the, the the way the schooling system set up, I think if you had kids who are a bit older and could, um, you know, be a bit more involved with their learning independently, mm. um, it would work really well. Um, the the problem we have, yes, is we have little children. Eva's just gone into year two. Lara started kindergarten, so last year we did year one with Eva, and this year it's year two with Eva and, and yeah. kindergarten with Lara, and um, you know it's. It, it, it certainly is interesting, but the system is set up well. Um, we all have shared Google yeah. Drive accounts with the teachers. So. And there's good support. I think it just depends what teacher you get as well because 
Lara's kindergarten teacher is, um, what will we say? An overachiever. Ball breaker. Yeah. And Lara seems to have possibly more work than Eva's got. And Eva's in year two. Yep. So that's a bit of a challenge, but I just take it with a grain of salt and think, you know what? We're, they're learning so much on the road, plus they're getting this distance ed as well. So as long as I do most of the distance ed yep. and what they learn on the road, they're getting, I feel, as good, if not better, education than a lot of other kids out there anyway. Yep. And, um, yeah, you just do, do you know, a bit more of the, than the bare minimum and, and that, I think, is good education anyway. I, look, I don't even want to talk about school anymore. That's enough. But, yeah, so it gets done. But, it, look, to tell you how many hours I do a day, I will tell you that because I'm sure some of you would be interested, um, about two hours a day and we do do Saturdays yeah, that's, that's as well. everyone whinging and bitching the whole well, time and dragging them along. You've got to allow for that. Like, Lara's quite compliant. That's our youngest in kindergarten. And she can whip through in about an hour and a bit. Um, but Eva, on the other hand. So, yeah. But sometimes I have to do one and then do the other. Or sometimes I'm doing both at once if I can with, you know, depending on Billy. But I'd say two hours a day, uh, six days a week, just to make sure that it's done. Where other, the school suggests you do four hours a day, five days a week. Yeah. I don't want to do that. That won't happen. And you know what? There's lots of people on the road too who follow more, you know, unschooling methods. Yeah, that's right. That choose to uh, not educate their children. Um, you know, while we're not necessarily the you know greatest advocates of um, you know the uh, the state education system, we do understand its place. And so for us, it's about finding that happy compromise where we're capable of giving them uh, all the amazing life lessons they're getting on the road. And That's I can tell it. you right now, their flora and fauna knowledge is oh, outstanding. Pop- probably better than most 50-year-olds. Their botany, yeah, all the bo- yeah it's yeah, amazing what they awesome. know. Yeah. So that's really cool. And the rest of it, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we do our best with them. We make sure they're on track. And, uh, you know, it's not for forever. But, you know, most of the kids that we've come across who have done distance education are, are really good. Um, they get back into mainstream schooling really easy. Generally, mm. they're advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're told. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's that. Yep. Other questions I've got from people are about um, ongoing fears, best moments and toughest moments. Wow, best moments. What would you say? What's been the best moments? Just the, the landscape changing all the time. What mm. we actually see, seeing the kids see it as well. Yeah, I, I can't actually pinpoint one moment, one place, because there's been so many. Just, I can't. I've got to say, I've loved um, hooking up with people from around the country that we mm-hmm. know. Do you know, yeah. like staying with Maddie Catching Murphy down Pat, there in Bright, Pat McGrath. Pat McGrath up there in Valor Beach. You know, we had farm stay with him. You know, mm. we've had you know Matt's place was amazing, having that New Year's Eve party. Yeah, and the, we've yeah. just seen we've seen so many cool people and, and just people that you wouldn't generally uh, see. You know what I mean? So we reach out to people uh, in all parts of the country now. Uh, we're always looking for friends wherever we are, so it sort of makes the trip, uh, you know, more uh, connecting, more real for us. It's 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 what we like and. I've really enjoyed that ability to just be wherever I want, hook up with mm. people, um, live in an area. You know, mm. I've really liked living in places mm. for extended periods to the point where I've, you know, I've walked into cafes and they mm. make they're making my coffee before I've even walked up to the counter yeah. and know my name. You know, or so, you'll be driving around the streets like you're a local, as in you know which where to go, the shortcuts or whatever. And I'll think, how do you know that? That's when I'm driving, right? It's not when you're driving. I'm talking about when you're <laughs> driving. <laughs> I I'm not known for my geography. No, you, no, uh, you aren't. Okay. <laughs> Next, <laughs> I said that. So, I um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, yeah. I guess the changeability has been awesome. Um, from a realization perspective, 
I didn't expect that of me. Um, you like I'm, your comfort zones. Yeah, I'm yep. a bit of a homebody. Um, I had tears in my eyes the day I left the Central Coast. Um, <laughs> you know, Avoca Beach is a place that's always been very uh, close to my heart that I've enjoyed being and, and the the realisation on that day of actually leaving, it made it all come like very real to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fear came up, obviously, because I was living virtually without a plan. It was like, you know, a wing and a prayer and, you know, fuck, hope this works. Mm. Um, and, and that was very difficult. But what I've learned about me is that um, I'm comfortable anywhere and everywhere now, mm. which is... Which is great. Because I, I, I never that. had an ounce of fear leaving for me. Like, it was just about... Let's go and have an adventure and there's no regrets and I'm not stuck and I don't have to do anything any particular way. Yeah. I never had any fear at all. Even when it come, come to money and that you say to me, oh, well, that's because you'd fear. You don't have to earn it, so why would you well, fear it? Well, excuse me, I do earn it as well, <laughs> but I get that you're more in the driver's seat with that at this stage in our lives. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just about having that strong knowing. Yeah, and, strong faith, you yeah. know, and, and knowing that, you know, things work out. Uh, I've loved hanging out with the grey nomads. Yeah, it's been um, awesome. How good are they? They're so knowledgeable. Cool. Yeah, just nice people. And I tell you what, um, a lot of nomads um, that I'm hanging out with, so anyone that doesn't know what a grey nomad is in Australia, <laughs> basically it's a, it's a person of retirement age uh, who chooses to travel rather than stay at a fixed yeah. address. Yeah. So, um, you know, certainly throughout the winter months, you find all the nomads will um, haul ass north from all the southern mm. states where it's cold mm-hmm. and hang out in, uh, in far north Queensland. And uh, we just had an awesome time with the nomads. And, you know, because I'm very big on uh, personal evolution and self-growth, I'm always asking uh, these people um, consistent questions. Mm. Qu- questions around, for instance, you know, like... Um, how have you seen the world change? What have you noticed, mm. you know, throughout the last sort of, you know, 70 years of your life? What's yeah. different now than it was when you were a child or you were an adolescent or, or you were at work? Um, you know, things about uh, regrets in their life and things they may have done differently. Um, these are, are common questions I ask and generally they're always the same, you know. People um, are generally not having a lot of regret in their life, these people at least, Um regrets more around the fact they wish they started to live earlier. Mm. I find a lot of these people that uh, that are traveling and they just wish that, you know, like for instance, they look at us and they go, oh, you know, like you guys mm. are doing the best thing. You know, Everyone like, says that. We've Everyone always got to, we yeah. waited till we retired yep. until we traveled. And by that time, of course, mobility is affected. And, yeah. you know, well, most of the time at least, mobility is at least partly affected. So um, that's been a, an ongoing thing. But yeah, they're just really nice people, uh, extremely polite. A lot of, you know, a lot of just basic... Um, ethics and manners mm. and mm. and stuff respect you find and, yeah, yeah respect you know like for instance I'll tell you right now and this is you know a bit close to home for some people but when we're hanging in caravan parks with nomads I'll be I'll be in the uh, the toilet shower block you know having a shave and there'll be like me and four other old blokes all lined up having a shave mm. and we're talking about life and and we're talking about this and I'm just observing these guys you know when they're finished shaving you know, as most blokes will notice you know like when you finish shaving there's you know like bloody um, hair all through the sink and mm-hmm. and etc and and these older guys they're fastidious with cleaning it up. You know, they'll make sure yeah. that they're respectful of the fact the cleaner will be in in an hour mm. and they'll make sure that there's, you know, none of the shavings in the sink and that everything's the way it is and they'll pack up their little toiletry bags mm. with some level of self-care and respect. Mm. Mm. Um, and the minute the holidays come or the weekends come and the dead shits come into yeah, the caravan parks different. like they always do, mate, seriously, the place is mm. a shit fight. There's fucking water everywhere. Well, they clean the toilets twice a day mate, at that time. I'll walk into any one of the toilet stores and there are skid marks for fucking years. 
Do you know what I mean? Females as well, Mate, which shocks you, I know. Nightmare. It's just as bad. You just don't get that with the nomads, though. They just uh, <laughs> they, they, they see the brush, they use the brush. It's simple. You know, the brush is there, you use the freaking thing. And they go the to bed at 9.30, so they're not out there yahooing and disturbing the peace. Yeah, so, you know, that's been a real um, a realisation. What I will say, though, um, people have asked about fears. Michelle hasn't had a lot of fears, as she said, and it's one of my great respects for her as a person, but... Um, I wouldn't say this was a fear of mine, but it was an observation, and it was an observation for months. And this would probably ring true, I would say, with most people who do um, do the bulk of the um, breadwinning or at least um, have the mindset consistently around the financial aspects in the household. And it went a bit like this because I, I didn't have a fear of money. I was like, you know what? It'll happen. It's all good. I've, yeah. been, I've been in the game a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I did have It'll some faith out. in the fact it would work out. But I'd find myself you know, surfing some perfect right-hand point break at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning or you know, being in the park with the kids and the, and the same thing. I'd look at my watch. <laughs> no, it's a lie. I didn't wear a watch. You didn't so wear one exactly. Look at your for, phone. I wore a watch for you twelve months. But I might look at my phone, yeah, and and see, you know, like the, the time, time, the date, yeah. the day, and then I'd have this feeling come up, you know, like like it's ten o'clock on a Tuesday, like I should be in my second appointment by now. Mm. I should be earning mm-hmm. money. I should be doing this stuff. So all this kind of ingrained bullshit that you know we're fed, you know, or we feed ourselves, however you want to look at it, over the years, rang true for me for months, you know, and I'd get this this hollow feeling in my gut, you know, like this emptiness, this, that was mm. the fear, obviously. It's the, only, yeah. it's the only emotion I can sort of put to it, but just this, yep. this lost, deep, like lack of connection. Like I was connecting myself to my work. I was connecting myself to my role as a breadwinner to, mm. you know. That was your identity. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. That's probably the best way. I, I identified with that for who and what I was and my place in the family. And, and yep. I really struggled with that. You know, I had this deep, guilt you know like that's the word you shouldn't be having so much fun deep guilt and this deep shame that i shouldn't be doing this and that i should be doing it tough like everyone else Mm -hmm. and how were some of the comments that we got near the beginning where people would see this young couple rock up couple of kids in tow really nice new big van and the land cruiser and all the bells and whistles and say oh what's up with you have you won the lotto (laughs) how's those ones yeah yeah i I just say yes now (laughs) Yeah, I did. How'd you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, now that was a common thing, and I did a uh, a post on that on Facebook oh, one time. Right, uh, yeah. per- um, per- perception versus mm-hmm, reality. I think mm-hmm. I've actually got that um, that uh, that clip on the um, Caravan Conversations website. But um, yeah, that that's a common thing, you know. And you find a lot of people out there who who have that kind of um, mindset. Um, yeah, that yeah that you know the world owes me something. You know, I'm doing it tough. You, you should know. be slaving away. You're yeah. too young to be doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, and they and they uh, try to inflict that on you. But yes, that's life. You know, you see through that. And and um, you know, I, I feel sorry for those people. I must say, but that was a that was certainly for me a big takeaway. Um, I didn't expect that to be part of my reality. I expected that it would just be this awesome thing that I'd be going from beach to beach, hmm. and that it would be great. I didn't think that I would have such deep feelings of guilt and, and regret mm. and, and, mm-hmm. and shame come up that would sort of see me go back to what life was beforehand. Mm. And I still remember a couple of times, you know, certainly financially things were very tough in the beginning and I was running up a, a, a reasonably uh, large American, American Express mm-hmm. bill and, mm-hmm. and visa bill. 
We were. And a couple of times I spoke to my mum, mum on the phone, and um, you know, and mum's probably listening now, and and she'll attest to this. And I'd say, you know, shit's really tight, mum. You know, and she'd say to me, oh, well, you, you'll just have to come home. Mm. And, we're and like, no. Yeah. Well, and I said every time, no, it's it's just not an option. Not an option. You know, it like was not. It wasn't negotiable. Failure isn't an option here. Like it's it's sink or swim, and if we can't make it work this way, well, then it's going to have to be a new way. And I don't like quite you said, know fruit what pick that is. or whatever. But it never whatever came it, to that. No, no, whatever it is, you know. So, um, you know, that's that. And 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 probably at this point, I'd like to thank everyone who's supported um, me mm, and supported the brand you. because it has kept us on the road, and it's given us this. Uh, amazing experience and it's amazing life journey and as anyone who's worked with me will know um, that knowledge and that information and the energies that I get from this trip I very much pass on to people Uh, that's sort of part of my grand plan and my sort of life design is that um, you know helping people is what I do it's what I love to do and it's what I'm here for so uh, but I just do want to pay, pay sort of that gratitude back to people who have supported PSE and supported myself through my clinical work and uh, and have kept us alive, you know. So for a while, baked beans became the uh, the prime uh, the prime food source, and uh, it did not. <laughs> so listen to him. I've been cooking gourmet meals five times yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're um, ruining my story. It was never baked beans for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was gourmet chicken, beautiful mm. salads, and oh, roasted this and that. And anyway, we do yeah, all right. So anyway, anyway, you're ruining. It was always my, good food. Always. You're ruining my story. So, but um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Truth. But yeah, the but the the, the gratefulness is uh, is very authentic, and and please take that. But um, I guess um, just ripping on to a few more questions here because I realise mm. that uh, everyone's probably on their way to work right now and just wants me to pull it up from now. Um, what do we got? What's next? I'm being asked. Well, we can't tell you what's next because we're nowhere near finished. But um, we've planned up until Tassie. Yeah, we've planned up until you know, like mid next year, like, 2018. Yeah, April next year. Yeah, so and that's you know that that's loose plans, but um, we don't know what's next. We're just loving life now. We can't bear the idea of a fixed address. Uh, no that, way. That is the truth of it. And um, you know, any of you guys who are listening, um, please follow where we're at. Reach out to us when we come into your town. We love to hook up and meet new people and hang out with some old friends as well. What about the questions about challenge challenges in keeping fit and healthy? During um, I didn't have that question, but it's probably yeah, a, it's probably a good one. Yeah. So, um, well, when you drink and piss sixty-three <laughs> days in a row, it's an enormous challenge. Let me tell you. But um, <laughs> we pulled our belt right in from that point. Uh, we got up onto the Gold Coast after that, and um, we had an extremely good um, you know training regime, mm. um, eating extremely well. Well, um, we hill were, sprints up yeah. Burley Hill, and we, we were able up. to do a lot of that anyway, like is in outdoor training. But what really helped solidify our Ability to train really well with nothing was when we found Zoo as well, yep. wasn't it? So being able to do that as well. Yeah, as what so we Zoo's a training style, a training method, so to speak, yep. of body weight training uh, that's originated from um, the Gold Coast in Burley. And while we were there for a few months, uh, we hung out with those guys and that was super cool. Michelle um, trained with them and became um, an accredited trainer and it's been really good on the road, I must say. Mm, um, we definitely. both we both love the gym. Um, mm. You know, as much as I love Zoo, I'm still we you know, love I'm still a bodybuilder, yeah, powerlifter well. through and through. That's what I definitely. that's what I love. Um, the rest of it's an extremely good um, addition to what we do. And mm. sometimes uh, we've gone six and seven weeks without a gym. Um, certainly through uh, Central Queensland, so that's where the body weight training has been absolutely amazing. Exactly. Um, I've had three 
significant injuries on the trip, mm. uh, which has been a real shit for someone that's mm-hmm. you know forty years of age and never had a filling, never had a surgery, um, you know, never had any significant breaks. So I mean, it was been a bit silly going down the water slide. I think yeah. it was like ten so or something. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a few a few of those things has made things a little bit uh, more difficult. But once again, you work around these things and you adapt. Um, someone asked here. Um, what do we have to do um, prior to packing and departing? Mm. So a lot of that, that was a nightmare, I must Absolutely. say. So um, Scotty Madden from Body Movement took over our gym uh, and training facility over there in Kingcumber. And that was great because uh, it was easy for me. I trust the guy. Uh, he's great at what he did and he took he sort of took over well there. I closed the clinic doors. We... Um, we didn't know what we were going to do financially. That was, like I said, it was just a whim and uh, things have paid off, which has been great. But we had to certainly uh, automate uh, and systemize the PSC aspects um, of our business, which we did do, uh, which has worked really well. Um, not finished, but worked really well and uh, worked to a point where it, it afforded the trip to happen, which was great. Uh, there's been more changes there as well and more to come, things that um, I'll tell you guys about more. PSC's got some really big things that are happening, which is great, and the brand will, will start to move in the direction I've always wanted to take it to. Um, but that is coming in with some, um, some new help and new partnerships which are going to support me in the business uh, but that's been an awesome uh, an awesome part but yeah a lot of it seriously guys it's all about adaptability you know oh. so the trip was the thing we wanted to do by the time we ordered the caravan we had seven months until we had oh. to leave so we literally had to pack up a business a house. multiple businesses we had to pack oh. a whole house down um, I've still got our stuff sitting in a 20-foot container, yeah, on, container on someone's yep. block of land. Where mm-hmm. I hope it's still there. I, I don't know. Well, have you been in contact with the no, guy? I haven't spoken <laughs> to him the whole time. I've been you gone. might have got rid oh. of it. Yeah, anyway, I don't really give a <laughs> you shit. You know what? With you. We've lost all attachment to all the stuff anyway. We really have. Yeah. I don't think we, we're used to having hardly anything here, so... We'll yeah, exactly. We'll so right. that's yeah, that's a lot of stuff had it's to change, just stuff. and it was big days and big nights. Like I'd I'd consult all day, then I'd be home to pack and move stuff, and you know fix things up. And I did a, a major renovation over at the facility uh, for Scotty, putting a whole new section in, and you know that was jip rocking and things that had to be done. So it was a shit fight. I won't lie, it was really big days, mm-hmm. really big nights, but we mm-hmm. got through it. Uh, old mate of mine, Marcus, has asked, uh, how does the cost of this lifestyle compare to being at home? Mm. And I'm so glad someone asked that because on this trip, I tell you guys, I've rung so many of my entrepreneurial mates and I said, guys, seriously, we've fucked this up <laughs> for too long. <laughs> for too long, we've been trying to earn more, earn more, earn more, be more, be more, be more. And as anyone in business knows, the more you earn, the more you spend. And, you know, mm. the more you spend, the more sort of in debt you find yourself and the more you got to keep earning to, uh, you know, keep the wolves at bay. But seriously, um, I'll just say this uh, exactly as it is penny for penny. We live like kings for 1500 bucks a week. 1500 bucks mm. a week is more than anyone else would spend on the road, I must say. Most people do it for, you know, probably somewhere between half and two-thirds that. But... Fifteen hundred bucks a week gives us a, a you know a five hundred dollar a week shop at Coles gives us mm. five hundred bucks a week for accommodation which we don't spend on caravan parks and things but sometimes in holiday um, periods it will pump your prices up and you yeah. know we at least know we can afford that and then five hundred bucks a week for miscellaneouses which is like your fuel and you know coffee for me uh, and you know just your you know, your extra little stuff your insurances and all that kind of stuff but seriously life on the road is it's very very affordable for that money. We live on a beachfront, mm. on a perfect location, 
every single day of the week. That's we it. have not free camped. And I hate to admit this. I know. We have not free we camped. Because we've got the setup where we could yeah, free camp. We're, we're set up for free camping. You know, we've shitloads of solar and lots of water and stuff. But we have not free camped one night mm. in over 12 months. So, um, you know, as we, uh, we're in Esperance at the moment, which we're loving, and as we uh, move west and, and north of here, free camp becomes a heap more um, viable option because there's so many more options as you head up through the west coast. Uh, east coast is hard for free camping because most free camps are 50 k's from the coast in some mm. dump, and, you know, we've got kids to think about, you know, their yeah. enjoyment. So, um, yeah. We haven't but, been spending really a lot of money on entertainment, though, as much as you say $1,500 a week living no, in No, we don't spend any on entertainment. We don't go and spend money on, oh, we'll go to this attraction or that attraction no. or whatever. We pick and choose what's important. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we have gone without quite a lot of that because we've done more of the free things just because you obviously have to prioritise your money. Yeah, but with kids, too. They don't appreciate it. If you go somewhere, just, like yeah. you know, I said before about the Captain Cook Museum in Cooktown, if you go in there with three kids, you're paying sort of 70, 75 bucks. Now, most places, though, to take a family of five to do any attraction, you're looking at about 100 bucks. And mm. I don't mind departing uh, $100 on something if it's going to be well-received, but nine yep. times out of ten, the kids give us the shits the whole yep. time. they'd rather go to the park or, exactly. the, or the beach. Yeah, so I'd rather just give them that stuff, and it just so happens that stuff is free. So that's that's where it is. But we eat really well, too. We, mm. we don't we – don't, uh, we're not eating spam, I can tell you right now. So, you know, our, our food bills are solid, but we, we do eat really well. Our kids are fed extremely well. Uh, obviously, as naturopaths and nutritionists, that's an important part of who and what we are. So, you know, we prioritise a good amount of our money there. Um, what else have we got? Uh, when are you coming home? I think I answered that one. Uh, old mate of mine from school is interested to hear about the challenges of living on the road uh, as opposed to packing up and moving, which he did, into America. Uh, I think we've um, I think we've answered that, Nugger. Um, mm. that's, um, that's, yeah, pretty much... Uh, all I can say about that. Um, what else we got? Um, uh, kids, back to the schooling thing. People have asked about mm-hmm. how we feel um, the kids are affected through not having, uh, you know, in inverted commas, appropriate socialisation. Mm, um, not at all, because they're constantly socialising. Yeah, settle down. The lady, that's, the a- lady that's asked the question <laughs> though, has got teenagers and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So what, what I will say is that we got real young kids, you know, and outside three, of, five, and seven. Yeah, outside of us, they don't know. You know, they don't know anything. So um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're everything to them, and they've got each other, and they're happy. And, and yes, Eva did do um, kindergarten back at uh, the Central Coast, and so she did have some some friends, but. Kids at that age are so malleable. So adaptable. They? You know? Yeah, actually surprised us. Even Eva, who's not usually one for change, um, they've all been really adaptable and they make friends wherever they go and they're happy to let go of those friends as well because yep. they know they'll meet more. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's been uh, it's been really, really nice and that's once again you know, part of um, what we've witnessed with the kids is just how well they adapt to others. Uh, our middle child, Lara's, um, you know, she's picking up new best friends every single day, no matter where she is, any park. It's seriously, it be 20 minutes. You Billy know. as well. You're my Billy. friend. Uh, that's just mm. the way it is. And mm. Everyone gets on great. But the kids' bond um, between the three of them has really flourished. Uh, they consider each other best friends. They they, you know, they still nitpick. Oh, and they still fight like crazy. Silly but stuff. But, but they, they have do, more of a bond. They do love each other. Yes. And, and that's cool. So they've always got someone to be around the whole time. And we've had a few 
people we've sort of travelled around a little bit. We've seen a couple of people here and there. And so sometimes the kids do see familiar faces and that's worked out uh, real well for them. And, um, yeah, it's about all i got to say. But seriously, guys, the trip's been amazing. Yeah, um, we've I'd been... recommend it to anybody, even if you think... You're thinking about it, but you're not 100% sure. You can always go back. So yeah. I'd recommend you do it anyway. And the amount of people, because I know there'd be people sitting out there going, well, you know, you've got an internet business. Oh, you know, yes. You're doing the podcast. The mm. You know, that that's that's an easy life for mm-hmm. you. What about me? I'm a sparky or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I will say, we have met lots of those mm-hmm. guys on the road mm-hmm. um, who probably don't move around as much as us, mm. but still doing similar things, you know, like living in buses, living in caravans, yes. living even in, like, seriously, I found, I, I met a guy up in Kansas living in swag with his kids, mm. driving around in his Hilux for six yeah. months. But people are just finding workplaces and like sparkies yeah. and chippies and you guys who have got those sorts of, you know, hands-on skills. So many people are finding that, you know, they can like go to the Gold Coast for three months and mm. get a gig at Pacific Fair. Then they'll move up to, well, you know, Ely Beach and they'll, you know, help someone with the fit out on their boat for a few months. But and the shop fitter that we met on the Gold Coast, remember how he was just pulling out work wherever he could. He'd go to the pub. And he'd chat to guys. Of he would. And then they'd just go, you know what, such and such has got work and blah, yep. blah, blah. And then yep. he'd have work for a while. A lot of it's networking. And I think a lot of it's too about having that likable personality. Mm. You know, being someone that people want to be around. And going out there with, you know, just a... It's, you know what, I'll say people love the story. People get so in awe of the fact that you're out doing what they wish they'd do. Yes. You know? So the people that I find that are out there actually being successful on the road are the ones that are just like, you know, hand on their heart going, mate, this is what I'm doing. I've got my wife and my, you know, my little tacker back in the camper van and, you know, I'm looking for work. What do you know? And people yes. have really enjoyed their stories and mm. have genuinely wanted to help them out. And mm. you know what? People are good, aren't they? Like yeah, most gen- places, generally people generally are good. Generally they want to help out. And, yeah. and it's been my real big takeaway of the whole trip is i found everywhere I've gone, people are just people. Every town, like here we are in Esperance right now, and people are like, oh, Esperance, oh, you know, they, they think of these places mm. like they're fantasy lands. Mm. And everywhere we pull up, it's just people living their lives. That's it. Isn't it? Everyone's mm-hmm. just doing the same shit, you know, day That's after day. That's what we day. see. Life goes on. So we think if we just finish the trip and go back, like it's just the same. Life goes yep. on. Like, so we're not ready to stop anytime soon because yeah, yep. still experiencing and there's too much more we want to yep. see. Hundred percent. So I think you know that probably should answer a lot of you, a lot of everyone's questions. We've just gone over an hour now. I know people have got a life to lead outside of podcast world. Um, just making sure I've got all my uh, questions here answered, which I'm pretty sure I have. But uh, yeah, please, guys, um, please know, guys, we've uh, we love having you guys along for the ride. I'd like to thank uh, Michelle, my partner in crime here, for uh, supporting me through the podcast because it does take up a lot of time in you know organization recording and editing particularly when you're useless like me so <laughs> you've done pretty well to teach yourself I've, I've had to relearn and you know do a little audio technical course yeah. and, and all the rest but that's been fun I've really enjoyed that new challenges are awesome and uh, last question and you know I'm going to name and shame this dude Brendan Mundy old mate of oh, ours from uh, from uh Grady Union from when we worked Where in the we cinemas met, actually yeah, we when met. Michelle and I met back in mm. the day um, he, he's been the one that's uh, sent me a little sly PM and I've had about two others saying, oh, can you, can you answer the question? Like, what do you guys do for your personal time? You're like, you know, <laughs> how, 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 do you, how do you get any sex in with the three kids and in caravan parks? And I'll just finish by saying to you, Brendan, mm. the caravans are rocking, my friend. You don't come a knocking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what about when the kids don't fall asleep till nine o'clock at night? Yeah, that's a problem. Anyway, that's... that's 
that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Anyway, guys, love having you along. Um, thanks so much for supporting the Travelling Wellness Show, and we'll see you next <laughs> week. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.